Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Um, are we good to go, Marcus? I think we're okay, yeah. Do we feel like we can do this? I think we can do this. Do we have the strength to do this? I think we have the strength. It's our duties. Isn't it weird that it's come to last podcast on the left to be rational? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> crazy the world's got. sane choice. <laughs> that's it. All right, welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey. He's all the way out in Los Angeles. I am sitting on a dog bed in a tiny little closet next to my bedroom. But the bo- dog bed is fun because I feel like a big dog. Also because I'm not wearing any clothes. You are extremely hairy. It's 95 degrees in here. Um, I've been drunk for two days, good, like good. the rest of the country. Um, uh, Natalie said, your body smells like whiskey. She said it in a funny way. She was like, it's just funny how the body just smells like whiskey. If you've been doing nothing but drinking whiskey and eating vegetable lasagna, because I made a big one. Are you Garfield? Um, <laughs> yes, I did. No, I am Garfield. And your, your Heathcliff Garfield nonsense is a, is a big sack of shit. Well, that's uh, not true at all. Heathcliff for life. We all know that. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, also, in a blackout, uh, I let Natalie paint all my toenails hmm. on election night. That's fun. You know, Henry, it sounds like you're just having fun with it. Sounds like you're having fun with it. <laughs> you have to have fun with it. All right. Well, speaking of <laughs> no choice. Yes. Well, let's move on to today's topic and let's move out of the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we're still in the real world. Technically. Uh, this is very much so the real world. All right. This story, <laughs> this story is called The Lobster Boy Murders. Mm-hmm. Now, what a better way to leave the circus of politics. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill myself. Don't what do that. What a funny way to leave the, the circus of politics and, and talk about the real circus. Now, this is a fun Florida story. Yes. Which is great. And I think of all the things we could talk about right now in this state of America is how um, this shit happens in Florida 24-7. Not stunned at all that this pl- takes place in Florida, right? No, no, no. no. This is the, uh, this might be the quintessential Florida tale. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think if you want, if you wanted space aliens to know exactly what Florida is all about, <laughs> we would give them the story of Grady Franklin Stiles Jr., the Lobster Boy. And our, a lot of our story comes from the book uh, Lobster Boy oh. by Fred Rosen. <laughs> now, the problem is, is that also with the name Lobster Boy, what do you, what do you imagine? A cute boy with like a hat on, slowly being lowered into a pot. Well, there's that picture. There's a famous picture of a little baby dressed as a lobster in a crock pot on the internet that I look at when I want to smile. So it's kind of like that. 
It's really, really cute. Um, but in actuality, it was a 300-pound, uh. perpetually drunk man with no hands or legs who beat his family with his stumps huh. and eventually was murdered himself. That's the lobster boy, huh? <laughs> it's not a cute baby to crock pot on Google Images? Huh. No. Oh, he wasn't a shade over 200. What are you talking about, Henry? I don't know. I guess if he had legs, he'd be bumped up. <laughs> if he was a real lobster, he'd be expensive. <laughs> ooh, ooh, he'd be so delicious if it was a real lobster. Mm. Well, Grady Franklin Styles Jr., a.k.a. the Lobster Boy, was born in Pittsburgh on July 18th, 1937. Styles was born with a condition known as ectrodactyly, more commonly known as lobster claw syndrome. I'm really glad they didn't call it flippy flappy hand syndrome because <laughs> yeah. that would be insensitive. That would be insensitive. He, he sounds Sounds like the world's dumbest dinosaur. Doesn't it sound like a dinosaur? <laughs> Ectrodactyly. What is that? It's a 200-pound carnival freak. Oh, okay. Wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it the simple dinosaur friend in the movie Land Before Time? <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, Petrie and that thing. Well, ectrodactyly is a combination of the Greek words dactylos and extroma, and literally translates to. Finger abortion. Fuck. That's just, he did not have it going in his direction at birth, did he? No. Oh. He had it rough the whole time. Well, other famous Wait. people with ectrodactyly are Soviet chess player Mikhail Tall. Honestly, perfect job for someone with the de- with that deformity because the pinching hands, great for chess pieces. Yeah. But you know what it's bad for? The piano. <laughs> yes, that's true. Actually, there was a famous pianist. She was South Korean, and she did have uh, ectrodactyly, and she was quite famous. I guess maybe you used uh, bigger everyone, keys. Everyone, ladies and gentlemen, this song is called Elephants Going Down the Stairs. Blink, 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 Powerful, powerful. And the other famous person with ectrodactyly, actually a guitarist and lead vocalist uh, of the French black metal band Nocturnal Depression. His name is Cedric Gregore, a.k.a. Lord Lockraid. You girls want to come backstage and have some beers after the show? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> They love my music. They hate my hands. <laughs> no, you know, and I don't want to necessarily make fun of people with electric d- elect electrodactyly. E- ectro- it's not electro. Ectrodactyly. Call it what it is. If it was finger electro, abortion. It would be pretty. <laughs> Please refer to it as a medical name as finger abortion. Finger abortion. Yes. <laughs> finger abortion. <laughs> I don't want to make fun of people with finger abortions because it seems like that's a very difficult way to walk around. But specifically, Grady Styles right. was a piece of shit. Terrible person. Yes. Absolutely. Now, he, he had, so it's a, it's a rare congenital deformity. Now, what is the exact thing that happens to the hands and to the feet? Well, the middle digit is missing. There's no middle finger. And the remaining fingers, the uh, index finger and the pinky and the pointer finger and the thumb are fused together, giving them the appearance of lobster claws. So they can't flip you the bird, but it is like life telling them to fuck off. It's <laughs> yes. like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Now, Grady was by no means the first Styles to be born with this condition. The first was William Styles, born in 1840, but it wasn't until Grady Styles Sr. came of age in the early 1900s that the family entered the sideshow business. Now, Grady Sr., a.k.a. the Lobster Man, traveled across the country and charged a nickel a gander. But his home base was in Pittsburgh, where Grady Stiles Jr. was born. I mean, I do love that this guy did what Henry often talks about, flips it and reverses it. He's Mm -hmm. looking at his hands. He's like... With any luck, they'll pay money to look at me. Yeah. They'll stare at me. (laughs) I mean, what a genius idea. Think about 
how easy show business used to be. You yeah. didn't even have to have skills. At least now, Lobster Man would at least have to be funny or have a cooking show, which will also be very funny. Him inside a giant <laughs> pot, but cooking outside the pot. But, but if I was a freak, like if I was a freak show, I could literally be dog screaming man. Like, yeah, you're just like, oh, look at the walrus man. He'll yell at you about countless topics. And just me going, oh, I got it. It's been rigged. It's rigged. Like screaming, it's rigged over and over again inside of a little box. Right. Well, I mean, the sideshow tradition by this point was centuries long. I mean, I myself, I am a bit of a sideshow freak scholar. And well, I Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. No, I've been self-described, <laughs> by the way. Well, I've been interested in, in uh, you know, the, the phenomenon of the sideshow freak since I was a kid. Like, I love this stuff. And these people, actually, this is that it was absolutely a flip it and reverse it type of thing because a lot of these people didn't really have a hell of a whole lot going on in normal life. Like, Grady Style Sr. couldn't really get a job. People didn't want him around. They didn't want these people around in everyday life. So what they did is they joined the circus, they joined the carnival, and a lot of these people, granted, some of them had absolutely terrible lives. There were some people who yes. were paraded around their entire lives, and then after they died, their owners, pretty much their owners, uh, there's this woman, the ugliest woman in the world, her name was Julia, uh, her oh, owner after oh, she died. Beautiful. Yeah, the the man who married her but pretty much owned her, he uh, stuffed her and the baby that she died giving childbirth to because the baby was just as ugly as she was, uh, and he paraded her corpse around for decades after she died. But there were some people like the Elephant Man, Joseph Merrick, who, after having a uh, particularly terrible childhood, eventually grew up to live a, uh, a fairly, I wouldn't say wonderful life, but he did okay. Also, the circus business was a really all-inclusive kind of family. Eventually, like these people created created little societies of acceptance where it's like, yes, people were paying money to come and gawk at them, but then they get to own the power of we we own our appearance. We are using it for cash. Yeah. We're using it right. to provide for our families. It just so happens to be. You, you know, you're just also a social pariah, which is why you have to fuck within the world, which is awesome because carnies also have strippers in there. So there's like <laughs> hot women and freaks, but they're all fucking each other. And that's awesome. Well, I don't necessarily think strippers have to be hot. I've been I'm to some places in Florida. They're fun. They're <laughs> yeah. fun women. It's fun women. Guys with tiny hands. Little people. Big fat guys. Everybody's eating each other out. Tall people. <laughs> Kissel, you would have been in a freak show yeah. in a hot second. You would have been the world's longest match. Oh, it would have been great. Yep. Light, I, do I have to let my head on fire again? Do you yes. want to get paid? <laughs> I do. Well, early life growing up in Pittsburgh before he truly got into the carny business was pretty tough for Grady. His father was on the road with the carnival most of the year. Kids constantly called him a freak and superstitious women would often spit in his presence to ward off the possibility of the lobster curse following them into their wombs. Oh. Now, eventually, the Stiles family moved from Pittsburgh down to Gibsonton, Florida, which was a wintering town for sideshow folk where they would spend the off-season. And it was said to have the only post office in the nation with a counter just for dwarfs. Oh, and that wasn't until Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman purchased their own post office <laughs> and refit it to themselves. Yeah, that's adorable. Yeah. And I feel like the mice talk. 
and, and the cheese squeaks. It's a very Beauty and the Beast lifestyle over there. Yeah. But also what is very sweet about uh, Gibsonton is that they said that it, it was they had special licenses where they were allowed to bring all of their circus equipment back to their homes. Mm. And so you would walk through this weird trailer park in Florida and there'd be like zebras and like weird like cows with five legs and like all these like crazy shit just like out in front of trailers. Like it must have been a blast yeah. if it wasn't for all the unrepentant alcoholism. Uh, my friend, that is not a cow with five legs, if you know what I mean. That's Big Dick Tony the Cow. He's one of our number one attractions. So what does it do with the big dick? Nothing. Wow. Wow. And that's a show. That's your show right there. I don't need anything else but that. Yeah, it's the only trailer park in the nation where there are chimps swinging around that's 24 amazing. hours a day. It could have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, I, it does also then, as you say that again, makes me sort of sick and afraid. You know, I mean, also, like, the idea of many wild monkeys also being taught to smoke and to drink because it's for show business. So you've got hammered monkeys. People are also just shooting off guns because they're having fun because it's just how they party in, in Florida at the time. Oh, God. I can just imagine what their fucking bank was like. I'm kind of sold. It seems fun to me. <laughs> me too, man. Now, it wasn't long before Grady Jr. was forced to quit school and join the family business as the Lobster Boy a name he would keep until the day he died. And the Lobster family went on tour as a popular part of the 10 and 1. Think about this. He was made to quit school so he could join the carnival. Now, yes, yeah. they were treated like monsters, like people were screaming at them in the street, afraid of them. But think about that as a boy. You're a fat little yeah. boy. You don't got any legs. You're horny as, horny as a little chestnut. You got big flippy flappy hands <laughs> and you just get to you get a job for it. I feel like you if, get a your, job. if your parents shove you into the carnival, though, as opposed to you like escaping to join the carnival, those are two different things. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I, I, I well, I think he actually he definitely preferred the carnival carnival to like being you know spit on in Pittsburgh. That's a good. I mean, point. Every, everyone's going to appreciate the carnival. It. If I was a little boy, I would have been what the whole day. Mama, daddy, put me in a carnival. Don't you think I belong in a carnival? Hey, you know they could call me. Well, little pimple boy. <laughs> now, the 10 and 1 that Grady was a part of was an old carnival tradition in which people would pay a dime to see 10 sideshow acts under one tent, and each act usually had something to sell, which is where the acts actually made most of their money on merch. Huh. For example, the Pecos Giant might sell oversized rings that fit his fingers. Oh. Yeah, Freddy the Frog Boy would sell a small book with his life story. Oh. Now, is, is it, if you're a frog boy, what deformity is that? Uh, frog, is that boy, frog boys are, uh, they have nothing below the waist. Usually, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it's oh. a, also known as the half man or half woman. Uh, Gibson, would, yeah, Gibsonton had a pretty famous half woman. Well, I think you got to have webbed fingers if you want to be the frog boy. I don't know. Well, well they were being a very exacting manager. <laughs> well, yeah, That's well, I'm just, he wouldn't be a frog boy without the webbed fingers. <laughs> Do they still have cocks? Yeah. Wow. You know what? That was actually the most important question that's ever been asked on this show. <laughs> yeah. You could have the Pecos Giant with the rings, Freddy the Frog Boy with his life story, or Major Dinks, the smallest man in the world, might even sell a tracing of his tiny hand. Was he a all major? Right, all, right. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. I like this drawing of a hand. Da -da. How about for $10, you cut off one of your feet? <laughs> all right, mister. Come 
customer's always right. Ten dollars? That's a, that's almost worth it. <laughs> Ten cents. I bet you you could pay Major Dinks to shove his fucking whole face in your asshole for three dollars. Oh, three bucks back then? You can get anyone to do basically anything for that. I show up to this time period in a time machine. I almost want to do that. Get a time machine. I can use it in one go. For, go to Gibsonton, Florida for fucking two days in, in 1942, whenever this was. What is this time period? Uh, this the, is in the uh, 50s around. The 50s, because this is like the boom time? 40s, 50s. I, bring a, I mean, no, actually, by this time, it was already on decline. I bring a $100 bill in there. I show it to all of them. I bet you I can have a totem pole of freaks <laughs> fucking each other. <laughs> Ass to mouth, and just I and mean, also singing the McDonald's theme. I will teach them Katy Perry's roar. All of them singing it, man. That's to be a king. <laughs> this seems like a waste of a time machine <laughs> to me. But um, yeah, and every single one of these people in the ten and one, they all had a spiel that they did, and we've actually got Lobster Boy spiel Ooh. right here. Henry's gonna recite it for us. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Grady Styles, the Lobster Man. I am a product of a genetic condition, yes, which has run in the Styles family since 1840. In scientific circles, it is known as exodactyly. Exodactyly is a genetic condition affecting one in 90,000 at birth, so I'm lucky. A baby is born with the absence of the third digit and the fusing together of the remaining fingers and toes into claws. Sometimes it affects all four limbs. Sometimes... They have normal legs. <laughs> I thought they were called finger abortions. <laughs> That's the fun name. That'll be an extra nickel for me to call to, for me to name each one of my finger abortions. <laughs> Making money. And Grady, besides being a popular part of that ten and one, he fit in much better in Gibsonton, Florida, than in Pittsburgh. But that wouldn't do much to alleviate the burning rage and resentment that had settled in during his childhood years. Uh, Grady had huge anger issues because, you know, of course, when he was abused as a younger kid from everybody else, he got the he had this inferiority complex that settled deep, deep within him. But Grady, despite having his legs in at the knee, was by no means helpless. He could play baseball. He could write. And he was said to be faster on his hands than most people were on his on their feet. And as we'll see later. He could even use a gun. And he also well, became Hank Hill's father on King of the Hill, <laughs> which true. is so exciting. And it also seems like he was really practicing on the gun part. He practiced the gun a lot. How did he get his finger? Because they are big. How did he get it into the place to pull the trigger? I mean, practice. <laughs> just practice? A, practice. a lot of practice, yeah. Huh. It also just shows how much you can do with rage. Yeah, which we've yeah. now learned as a country, right? Is yeah. that like with rage and and feeling small and degraded, you can do a lot of horrible shit. Mm-hmm. Making that that's money. My, that's my social commentary for the day. That's, <laughs> and that's part of a new segment we'll be doing on every last podcast of the left, Henry's Social Commentary Corner. And that was just wonderful. <laughs> that was just, that was, I call it dog that, bed philosophy. Oh, I, I see. I here literally <laughs> slimy with sweat in base basketball shorts screaming about the rage of the country. Do you have to be in a dog bed? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, because Grady depended completely on his upper body for movement. He was extremely strong. And just because he couldn't make a fist didn't mean he couldn't knock the fuck out of someone. He mm. could make a six-inch vagina of meat attached <laughs> to his hand. You know, I don't know if, everybody, if anybody's accidentally been smacked in the face by a woman's vagina in the middle of sex. Like, well, like if she's getting up and you're going down, you hit that vagina face first. Mm-hmm. That hurts because there's bone underneath <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's an MMA move or Honestly, a it just happened to me. No. <laughs> it's it literally just happened to me. It's a long story. It's a long story. We'll save it for another time. No, no, it was said that being hit by one of Grady's claws was like being hit by a two-by-four. And he always insisted on a formal handshake when he met anyone so he could use his claws to crush the other person's hand. It's cool, though. Yeah. I like that. It is a pretty good power move. I guess. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. That's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's. Website platform? It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into draft rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe 
with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Ball. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then, it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game! Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today. And use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Now, his favorite move was to slap people to the ground, crawl over as quickly as he could, and headbutt the person in the stomach over and over and over again. I mean, I could just, your reaction, if that is happening, you're just like, oh, what's it? <laughs> he then wrap his claws around the victim's throat and choke him out. This guy That's was brutal. This is how I fight because I have a low center of gravity. Mm. You have a low center of gravity. Me and Jackie are like that. I squat down. You can't fucking knock me over. I get you down on the ground to take it to a ground game. Pinch you. Pinch at you. Pinch at you. Pinch at you. And like grab yeah. your parts. Grab your grab your balls. That's a big thing. Big in fights. Nobody wants to talk about. How many fights have you? Nuts. How many fights have you been in, Henry? Would you say? Three. <laughs> That's a good number. And the last time you were in a fight. Oh, man. Uh, in Atlanta, when a dude grabbed Natalie and I grabbed him by the lapel and I pull him through the, I pulled him through the bar calling him an old man. Yeah. I was uh, hammered, though. I'm not sure if that was a fight. Yeah, it's That's not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dude, it was. <laughs> Doesn't seem as dramatic as the lobster boy here, but <laughs> no, it's that's fine. It's now, nevertheless, even though he was a total and complete bastard, it was also said that Grady could be extremely charming. And in 1959, Grady met Mary Teresa Herzog, a runaway who would join the carnival at 18 to escape an abusive and incestuous stepfather. You know who would also be a good move for Lobster Boy, and I wish he did? Lie on the ground crying like a baby saying, come pick me up, come pick me up, I can't get it, I can't get it. And when they get close, then you choke them. I was thinking about that. It's and a good trap. That's a pretty good trap. Did That'll the baby work. trap, okay. <laughs> now, before uh, Teresa got with Grady, she was married to a roustabout named Jerry Plummer. Uh, roustabout being the term for the guys who built up and tore down the carnival as they traveled from town to town. Oh. And Teresa soon divorced Jerry and caught the attention of Lobster Boy while birth- both were working working at a carnival called the World of Mirth. 
<laughs> what the hell does that they mean? Had change, they, they had to change it from a uh, bucket of horror. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does world of mirth mean? It means a world. Oh. Ha- we're mirth, happiness, je- levity, I joy, see. mirth. We feel. <laughs> so it's know, the world of joy, and then it's just like, I got I got no middle finger. I got a lobster ass. You give me money. This is I'm a world the of joy. the world's most crooked man. My bones are fused together. <laughs> this is the world of joy. Oh, I am smiling. But this relationship was a bit of a star-crossed lover affair, as Teresa was only a lowly ticket seller, while Grady was a carnival star. Yeah. High above her station. Yeah, you can't fuck some ticket seller. No. Tell them you're the star. Absolutely not. So Mm -hmm. Teresa had to work her way up in order to be worthy of Grady's affections. She worked from ticket seller to bally girl, meaning she stood outside tents and hollered about what was inside. Step right up, step right up. Hey, y'all, what you doing? You want to see somebody big fat? (laughs) Come in here. Hey, you want to see some... Hey, y'all, come over here. Y'all want to see something unfortunate? <laughs> oh, good. It's here, right here in this tent, and it doesn't smell good. And when you pay when you pay the nickel out of your hard-earned money to go stare at this unfortunate human, you will smile for a second, but only out of Scheutenfried. <laughs> Scheutenfried. <laughs> and after she was a ballet girl, she worked her way up to blade box girl, dodging knives. Wow. So she worked her way up to having to dodge knives? What yeah. kind of world is this? The carnival's a strange place. I don't fully understand their politics. Yeah. And she peaked as the electrified girl, uh, an act where a woman is strapped to an electric chair and using a special transformer that produces electrical current that is high in voltage but low in amperage, which results in a lot of show but no risk of shock to the performer. Now, there'd be a whole lot of uh, sparks. There'd be a lot of electricity flying around. And she could even put a light bulb. That's the cool thing about the Electrified Girl Act is that she can put a light bulb up to her skin, a specially made light bulb, and that light bulb would actually light up. It's a cool act. You know who was the next big hit electrified girl? Eileen Warnos. <laughs> really? <laughs> Did they do the light bulb bit? All in Florida. They always <laughs> do that. They Man, always what do is it? Your, uh, well, I guess your adopted home state of Florida is it's something <laughs> <Yeah>. special. <laughs> really is. Uh, now that Teresa was indeed worthy enough for Lobster Boy's affections after her electrified girl act took off, the two moved in together into a trailer in Gibsonton with Teresa working at a shrimp factory in Tampa during the offseason, living the true carny life. Do you think no, when she it. went home after working at the shrimp factory, she just felt she was right back at work? <laughs> you know, it's just like shrimp and now I got Lobster Boy. Can I get a break? No, no. You go from just kind of a shrimp cocktail to nothing but fine lobster at home. Just, oh, the most luxurious meats. Two questions. What is a shrimp factory? It's, a, it's, a, it's the best place to work in Florida. Yeah, it's a. It, I, I would guess a shrimp factory is that, that's where they can them, or that's yeah. maybe maybe it's where they them. maybe it's where they peel off uh, all of the crap for cocktail shrimp. I'm not really sure what a shrimp factory does. All I know is Tampa is full of them. Yeah, and also I know this area of Florida. This is 10 miles south, I believe, south of Florida, uh, south of Tampa. And this is a no man's land, especially at the time. This is this is a rough swamp-like part of America that is like mm. hidden from normal society because she was normal, right? Like she had a normal body. Yeah. 
quote unquote normal. You're yeah. telling me the trailer park wife of the lobster boy who works at a shrimp factory is in sort of an isolated area. <laughs> That's not they're not downtown Manhattan. But I don't understand too is that what I do like is this is also a common thing of the way she was described as like she had a fine figure yeah. and how hot she was at the time. Mm-hmm. She was not. <laughs> uh, we are talking Lobster Boy's wife. Yes, the paramour of Lobster Boy. So after nine years of living together, the two got married, but life was awful mm. with Lobster Boy. Grady was an alcoholic and a mean drunk, his drink of choice being a seven and seven, and he Ugh. made sure to only hit her body so people on the midway wouldn't see the bruises on her face. Their first child, Margaret, died from pneumonia after 26 days. The second, David, made about two days longer before also dying of pneumonia, presumably due to the constant travel and drafty trailers that they all lived in during the carnival season. Their third child, Donna, survived and was born without the lobster condition, which made Grady resent her even more. And Grady would stay away on drinking benches for days at a time to one of the two bars in the Gibsonton area, Harry's or Showtown USA, out Ooh. by the highway. <laughs> of course he, of course he was a highway bar drunk. That's a specific kind of drunk. That is, uh, you know, it, it is definitely carnival. It is a carnival worker's style of drinking. Oh yeah. And show, Showtown USA sounds like it was owned by Captain Spaulding. Like these sound like <laughs> Captain Spaulding bars. He does. I mean, he, this is sort of a, a house of a thousand uh, corpses type character here. Yeah. Oh yeah, Lobster Boy is a yeah. He's a, a horrific character. Mm. Uh, he's a, he's actually I would say Lobster Boy is a truly American character, and specifically a truly Florida character. He literally made his fortune by being gross, yeah, and then beat <laughs> everyone around him. Crazy. Now, when Grady did finally show up back at home, he'd usually pass out in a pool of his own vomit in the hallway before making it to the bedroom. And in 1969, the first lobster of that generation, Kathy, was born, but it wouldn't be enough to keep Teresa around, who left Grady soon after. Teresa had caught the attention of Harry Glenn Newman, a.k.a. Midget Man. Oh. Newman was a welder by trade, but his height, at a little under three feet, meant that he regularly inhaled much of the metal fillings that flew off whatever project he was working on. He developed That's so respiratory... Sad. <laughs> That's so really? sad. That's so unbelievably sad. Like, you just can't even... You have a skill. And being a welder is a hard job. Yeah. It's tough. Welding stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, and he was good at it, too, but, you know, because all the metal fillings, you know, flew into his lungs constantly, uh, he got respiratory problems uh, and decided that the carnival was a better life, which it kind of was. I don't know. It'll be like if you're a a little person, and then all day long you're, like, poisoned by farts because your (laughs) butt height, you know? No, he was poisoned by tiny pieces of metal. If he worked at the shrimp factory, he would be poisoned by farts. <laughs> I don't know if they're if they're eating the shrimp. <laughs> no, after Grady threw out Teresa and the kids one night, Harry, who had developed a friendship with Teresa, moved them to Ohio to live with his mother. A courtship followed, and Teresa fell in love with Newman. But in her absence, Grady had filed for divorce, and since Teresa knew nothing about the proceedings and therefore didn't show up to any of the court dates, Grady got full custody of the kids despite being a horrific drunk and abusive father. 
I mean, he did that on purpose. He did that to hurt her. He yeah. did that. He knew that he would do. He was a very bad human being. And Harry was actually really good to her. Yeah, Harry, Harry was a great guy. He took care of her. He supported her. He, you know, he wanted to. He was taking care of their kids up until Grady went through with the divorce, the divorce without letting her know about the court hearings. And then he just showed up and put the kids in the car. And the way that it was described in the book is really very sad and also very intense because Grady is a wild drunk and very very physical. And they were talking about how he would pinch with his claws and he just came and just grabbed his daughter by the hair with the claws and just tossed her in the back of a pickup truck and he's also doing all just his hands no legs this is how strong he is is that he could remove an entire family from a house with just his hands mm. yeah. and then drive away could have been a good fireman <laughs> but I guess, but I guess he's not though. He's more of an abusive drunk. I mean, the, the judge should probably have to step down. The ju- <laughs> you know, at this point, usually uh, custody cases go to the mother. Usually, and then this judge was like, he's an exceptionally bad father. He gets him. <laughs> no, you when- know what? It's almost like we should do the opposite of what's right, just because it's so 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 opposite, and then it <laughs> becomes kind of ironic. I think that's good. Now, when the family returned to Gibsonton, they found that Grady had already remarried to a hard-drinking, skinny woman with a sunken face and stringy hair named Barbara, Mm. just your typical Florida carny. I mean, this woman through and through, typical. They said that she was very ugly and very stupid. What? You didn't describe her as ugly. You said sunken face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love a sunken face. But you know when you hear that first description of someone, because they all said that about this woman, Barbara Lucille, is that all they could say is sunken face, stringy hair. And that's rough. Yeah. If there's nothing in your personality, you can't at least be like, she has wonderful taste in shoes. Like, that's, <laughs> like that would be great. At least something positive. Now, even though it was said that Grady was even crueler to Barbara than he was to Teresa, Barbara gave birth to another lobster, Grady Styles III, on July 26, 1976, shortly after Grady had moved the entire family back to Grady's hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. For Teresa's part, she was actually doing relatively well back in Ohio, as Harry Glenn Newman had opened up a successful tire business and was actually doing pretty good with it. She'd also given birth to a son, Harry Glenn Newman Jr., a.k.a. Glenny, but she still, of course, missed her other kids. Her only attempt at seeing them came Christmas time in the early 80s when she called up Grady and asked if she could have the kids for Christmas. Grady said, sure, come on over, but meet me at the bar for a few drinks beforehand. God, which is just like he said, you know, the bar we go to, we always go to like he was trying to like the way he was trying to charm her is such a classless, no handed Florida way. (laughs) It's just like he's going to bring her to show tunes. (laughs) It's ping pong out of the pussy night uh, over here. Show tunes. Uh, Teresa agreed and showed up with her husband. And after five or so seven and sevens, Teresa and Harry followed Grady back to his trailer. She went to the kitchen to make some coffee, and when she came out, Grady was pointing a revolver, a revolver at her and her husband. As Grady put his other claw in his mouth and whistled, the back door opened, and in walked Grady's hired help, Paul Fishball. A.K.A. the Fat Man. Oh, yeah. And the hired, his hired hand was the Fat Man. The Fat Man was holding a shotgun. Grady called Teresa over to him, slapped her with a claw, and said, "Don't you bother me anymore. Next time, I'm going to kill you, Glenn. You old tiny ex- future husband of my ex-wife and your son. I'll do it." 
I don't even care about it. I don't even go for my. I ain't got any legs. <laughs> uh, I feel like, like he just slowly revolved into screaming. Yeah, they're like Dick Tracy villains, but if there's no fluoride in the water, you know, they are just like dumpy it villains. Feel like, it, do, it feels like a Cinemax show. It, yeah. Like with him, like because the fat man comes out of the back with the shotgun, and yeah. then he's being there, and the, the way they described it is that Glenn was holding her baby, and they're all screaming. It's like, oh, oh while he's punching her on the floor, and the fat man's going, oh, oh, like laughing, yeah. pointing the shotgun. This is all real. Yeah, I can't. I mean, if you're the fat man, okay, so you got this girl. She gets electrocuted. You know, she knew the whole light bulb thing. If you're the fat man, isn't everyone just jealous that you don't do anything? Yeah, fat man just sits there. They just sit That's there. That's all he yeah. does. Yeah, fat man. Yeah, he doesn't even. Yeah, the fat man doesn't. And by the way, we saw a video of the fat man. He's not that fat. Not by he's today's not standards. <laughs> today's standards, he's just a, he's just a man. Yeah, by he's today, just a, he's just a guy. Yeah, he could still fit in an airplane seat. He'd have to buy two tickets. You'd have to maybe buy a ticket. You'd be uncomfortable. Uh, and you know what's best about all of this is that they could all vote. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, you know? I got to give Fat Man a lot of credit, though. Yeah. What are you? What do you do? I'm Fat Man. Okay. <laughs> Just improvise that. No. Live in the dream, buddy. <laughs> you, sir. Where's that? You know what? I just quit my job. Now I'm a fat man, too. <laughs> did he even eat a copious amounts of food, like, during the show? Did he do anything special? I mean, sometimes, would... usually the fat man, well, it all depended. Like, because sometimes there was uh, the, the fat ladies, uh, a lot of times they sang. That was, okay. part of their, that was part of their act. Because a lot of times they didn't just sit there. They had to have, like, that extra little thing. Like, Siamese twins, a lot. Right. Like, there was some Siamese twins. Uh, I can't remember what their names were. Uh, but they used to, like, both play, like, the saxophone. Like, they'd play two different Mm -hmm. instruments so a lot of them like grady styles was actually somewhat uh peculiar in that he didn't really do much he just kind of sat there most of these people most of these sideshow performers they did have like an extra bit of uh zazz to them besides just their deformity okay they had a show they put on a show when i saw a little bit of grady Styles' show it's literally him just going Look at my hands. Look at my hands. And that's really all it is. And it's people just going, oh, my word. And that's, that's it. Where it's just like, he just has like, you've never seen a, a, a person with disabilities before. You literally have never seen a person with disabilities before. And he's just like, flippy flappy, flippy flappy. Don't come near anywhere near me unless you've got an envelope. I can open it up. Zip it, zip. Well, that's worth five cents. <laughs> now, a couple of years after the Fat Man shotgun incident, Donna, the eldest of the Styles children decided that she couldn't take living with Grady anymore and started looking for a way out. She was about 15 years old. She thought that she'd found that way out in Jack Lane Jr., 18 years old and ready to fuck. Donna ran away from home, and after Grady found her, he called her up and told her he had sent detectives out to find her and bring her home, and if they found her before he did... He was going to send her to juvie and kill Jack in the meantime. Oh, well. Now, Donna, thinking she was clever, told Grady that she was pregnant and that Jack wanted to make an honest woman out of her. In reality, she was a virgin, but it was the only card that she had to play. So Grady relented, signed the paperwork necessary for the 15-year-old girl to get married, and the wedding date was set for September 28th. But thanks to Grady, that wedding date would never be met. Huh. All of this is sort of like a Nick Cave song if it was played on a jug. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> now, the day before the wedding was to take place, Grady went to Harry's bar and downed a dozen whiskey doubles 
before wheeling himself home and starting in on a gallon jug of whiskey he had lying around the house. If he doesn't have any legs, are whiskey doubles like quadruples? (laughs) I think so. I think so. They turn into dog beers. He also (laughs) was, um, he had a wheelchair that he would use to get around in public because he stopped walking around his hands. But they would say in the house, he'd wear nothing but tidy whities Mm -hmm. and flop around on just his hand, screaming hammered all covered in sweat. Oh, goodness. Now, Donna, Barbara, and Jack showed up after going to Zale's department store to buy Donna's wedding dress to see that Grady's wheelchair had gone missing, as it was apt to do from time to time. When the trio volunteered to go outside and look for it, Grady told Jack, stay behind. Stay with me for a second. I got something I want to talk to you about. And as Donna and Barbara were outside looking for the chair, they heard two gunshots ring out from the trailer. When they got back to the front door, they found Jack stumbling out, bleeding and holding his chest. He collapsed into Donna's arms and died. Donna looked up to see her father standing on his knees in the doorway, wearing only briefs and smiling at her. And when she asked him why he did it, Grady said, Because I said I would. And the one thing I am is completely trustworthy. (laughs) (laughs) There's no denying that. And Grady charged with first-degree murder, facing the electric chair, and obviously extremely guilty, hired a slick lawyer named Anthony DeCello as his attorney. DeCello planned to try a self-defense case and played up Grady's disability, painting him as a poor, downtrodden soul who was baited into murder by an uncaring future son-in-law who is going to take his innocent 15-year-old daughter away from him. As a boy, I looked at the shoe store, and all I would do is cry, thinking of how I wish I could have a wingtip, have a Velcro shoe, and then... As an older man, I'd go to the knee store <laughs> and look at people staring into the... There's no knee stores. I I would go to the, the, the leg store. I would... Look at these hands! <laughs> look at my hands! People just tossing dimes at them. Yeah, the jurors are just like, man, that was a hell of a show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's this right here. What would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously, I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. Hey, 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because i just moved here to los angeles i got a yard now and i'm doing all the landscaping myself i love working in my garden i love planting stuff i love growing stuff and the cool thing about fast growing trees that i really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in i'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants, or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah. That's actually what happened, wow. is that he put on one hell of a show, but that was only after DeCello brought in character witnesses for Grady, including Priscilla Bagorno, the bearded lady, and Paul Fishbaugh, the aforementioned town fat man. Uh. 
Yeah. And Grady's performance was, of course, the best of all after a rousing testimony in which Grady used every showbiz trick he'd learned from decades in the sideshows. He garnered enough sympathy from the jury to get his charge reduced to voluntary manslaughter. Oh. And if none of this works on you, I can tell you one thing. I'm the only guy in this room who can suck his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a talent. Wow. wow. I do think wow. the judge the judge in this courtroom would be Dan Aykroyd's character from Nothing, Nothing But, but Trouble. Trouble. <laughs> that is for sure. Now, not only did the charges get reduced to voluntary manslaughter, but the judge, looking at the logistics of imprisoning the lobster boy and taking into account Grady's cirrhosis, from heavy, heavy drinking Ugh. and his emphysema from a 60 Paul Mall a day habit, Oof. Judge sentenced Grady to only 15 years probation and no restrictions to move about the country. So because and he was a just- chain-smoking alcoholic, they took time off of his sentence. I don't yes. understand <laughs> anything that's happened so far. This country, in, in America, if you just lean into your vices... We will take care of you. <laughs> just just really choose it. If you're going to be a fat man, be a real big fat man. Because right. then we, now you're, you got an act. I do. I'm trying to think. Okay, so if you're the judge, you're like, if he was a totally capable person who was extremely healthy, we'd put him away for 25 years. Life. If he helped out society in any way, we'd put him in prison. Yeah. Like, he's a total scumbag, complete degenerate. Let's go easy on the guy. 15 years probation. I just don't understand. Well, they thought that they, they said like, well, there's no way that uh, we'll be able to incarcerate him in Florida State Prison. He'd have to have his own guard the entire time. It was pretty much just laziness. It was, okay. it was just too lazy to actually put him in prison. Also, it's the same circus trick. It's the same exact, I'm going to own, I'm going to use my disability to get things from what I want from people to use their hatred, their weird fucking judgment of me against them, where now I'm playing the sympathy card. So now what I'm doing yeah. is, is that I'm, I'm showing you, I have this deformity that I have, I have this disability. And what I'm going to do then is you're going to feel bad for me. Cause at this time, they literally also thought he was like mentally defective. They see somebody with no hands and they assume he is, le- he is less understanding. He obviously is really fucked up. He had a hard childhood and they're just going to they're going to be really easy on him too and that's another trick where he's just like actually he's very cunning he's yeah. a very cunning horrible yeah. little man yeah and so grady seizing the opportunity mm. to go wherever he wanted in the country he took the fourteen thousand dollars he had raised to pay for his legal defense divorced the sunken face stringy haired barbara skipped town and started a 10 and one of his own with him oh. as the star and that's when you say awesome. skip town you mean literally <laughs> He's kind of hopped. You can just see him hopping over the state line of Florida. Technically, he hopped on a skateboard and grabbed in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, very cool. Cubs win. Cubs win. Now, this is when Teresa comes back into the picture. Because see, Harry Newman, a.k.a. Midget Man, had fallen 15 feet to the ground on a welding job. And it hurt his back. Why did they have him all the way up there? How did they even know. get him up there? Why isn't he doing the work on the... Do- I, he's a downstairs worker. Why? He it's just... just- I don't understand like anymore. It obviously started as a joke. Right? It obviously started as a cruel joke. Well, throw him up there. Yeah. You're working on the roof. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yep. He fell 15 feet, hurt his back, and that put him in a wheelchair most of the time. And... 
with no way to do any sort of welding work whatsoever, he lost his tire business and had to get back into the carnival game. So Teresa, Donna, who had moved in with her mother after the whole murder business with her fiancé and her father, Harry Sr. and Harry Jr., a.k.a. Glennie, went out on the road. And this is when Glennie becomes a larger part of this tale. Thing is to know about Glennie, little slow, had an IQ of 79, hovered just above that mentally challenged line, but that did not stop him from coming up with his own sideshow act. Glenn became a blockhead. You know what a blockhead is? Mm, I know it's a good burrito restaurant. <laughs> Let's see. What else could it be? Maybe he, he uses hammered his... nails into his face. Oh, I thought he read Socrates and tried to inform the people of philosophy. No, that's not what a blockhead is. No, it's like it's like a, a it's like a, a very bad stereotype version of what a mentally challenged person would do as a job. Kind of a Homer Simpson type, huh? Just jabbing stuff into his face. Into his face. It's yeah, not but... coming up with an act. It's literally smashing his face into a wall. Somebody laughs and he's like, Eureka! (laughs) (laughs) No, blockheads hammer nails into their uh, nasal sinuses uh, without ever drawing any blood. That's the whole act. That's a tough thing to do. It's, I mean, really, it's not that tough. You just have to find the right spot. But people do it all the time. People that all, but normally it's a part of your act. Yeah. Right? Like, I've seen people do modern circus acts, which is really cool, and they do really intense blockhead stuff where they, you know, they nail into their face, but it's also, it's oftentimes mixed with a lot of things because they want to show craft. The whole point is that they right. learn how to do this. He just did this out of pure, just dumb luck that he's just got <laughs> nose holes big enough. And also, Glenny is sort of the Brendan Dassey of this whole scenario. Brendan Dassey? From uh, Making, Making a Murder. murder ah. Where he is the, un- he's an unfortunate Mm-hmm. That gets dragged into this whole scenario. You're telling me that Blockhead's the unfortunate one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, actually, I would case. I would argue against that. I, I don't. Glenny is the engine that drives this entire thing. I guess well, it's true. Yeah, Glenny Glenn, is definitely he's he didn't get dragged into this. Glenny put himself right in the middle of it, hmm. and eventually the whole Newman family moved back to Smock, Pennsylvania, where Grady was close by in Pittsburgh. And there, Teresa started getting tired of taking care of her wheelchair-bound husband and, despite having a relatively stable life, started thinking about her ex-husband once again. Grady had sobered up and had pledged to make himself a better man, saying he's not going to drink anymore, he wasn't going to waste this second chance at life. Teresa believed it wholeheartedly, remarried the lobster boy, and moved back down to Florida with him outside of Okeechobee. If you break up with somebody, delete the number. <laughs> don't no, talk to they them. can change. No, they never change. Yeah, they oh, you don't want to move to Okeechobee? <laughs> no, you, fucking, they never you don't change. you don't believe in love? This is such a Florida thing. All right, this is such a Florida thing. I don't know why. I don't know why people divorce somebody and then marry their cousin and then marry their their ex-husband's cousin and then they divorce the cousin and they go back. It's all this drama. It's like Facebook without Facebook. Mm. It's them all still flirting with each other. And it's like, get out of Okeechobee. <laughs> go anywhere else. Why Just the hell get would you, out here. Why would you get out of Okeechobee? Yeah. <laughs> I love Okeechobee. I mean, yeah. it seems like a fun place. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like they just kind of forget about what had happened about five or ten years earlier. Even Donna, whose fiancé was murdered by this man. Murdered your fiancé. Murdered your fiancé the day before your wedding. She forgave Grady 
after he gave his blessing for her to marry a different dude from Okeechobee. This dude named Joe Miles. He said, oh. like, yeah, he gave her 300 bucks. There it is. And said, sure, marry this <laughs> asshole, and that's it. That's it. That's good money. That's everything. I'm so pro-love. You know, Joe from Okeechobee <laughs> is a great pro-love. guy. I'm happy Lobster Boy gave this weird stamp of approval. <laughs> Christianity is bullshit. The oh, I don't think Christianity has touched to any of these people. <laughs> and so the family was back together again with Donna married, Teresa living with Grady, and no booze in sight, which lasted about last? three months. Last? It lasted three, oh, months. three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Grady was back on the sauce harder than ever and just as violent, if not more so. I mean, it's it's when your addiction is seven and sevens, every time you see the number seven, you think about <laughs> booze and then how many times you see it. It's tough. And it's also, the it's lucky numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because for them, it was very unlucky numbers. Right. Yeah. Now, in 1992, Grady, at 54 years old, decided to take the show back out on the road with himself as Carnival Impresario. He never should have been any t- job title called Impresario. Definitely not. <laughs> now, daughter Kathy and her husband ran the Animal Oddities exhibit, which featured a two-headed raccoon and different types of shrunken animal heads. Science. I like that. (laughs) Donna and Joe ran the gorilla show, which is when you get a beautiful lady to dress up as a jungle woman, a wild woman of the woods. Mm. Have your talker, that's the guy that stepped right up, come see the gorilla woman. Uh Uh-huh. He would lull her into a trance, and then they pull a big switcheroo. And a guy dressed up as a gorilla would appear in the woman's place, and that was That's the whole. Fun. That was the whole thing. Is it like it wasn't a real gorilla? See us turn a beautiful woman into a gorilla alive. Do we know that they didn't do that? <laughs> do we know that? Do we do that? Do we do know that? And I think that's one beautiful thing is that when they shot poor, unfortunate Harambe, he also uh, turned back into the beautiful woman that he started as. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Um, and Professor Morte, who opened for us in Atlanta, our, my good friend Shane Morton, did the same trick for us. Yeah. Remember that? That's right. Uh, yeah. The girl. That was a trick, huh? <laughs> This one gets me. This one, I'm not sure about this. Now, Grady ran the ten-in-one, which featured a human pincushion, Glenny as the blockhead, Satina the snake queen, a sword swallower, and Grady the third as a second lobster boy, with Kathy being the third lobster girl, and Grady himself as the drunken star of the lobster family. And he was horrific with them. What he would do is all day before the show, he would make Grady the third and his daughter wear these big mittens so nobody would actually see their lobster claws. Because he'd yell, you're giving it away for free! You're giving it away! Wear the mittens until you go on stage! <laughs> yeah, I mean, God. He's so everywhere he looks. Yeah. And I will say not much has changed about show business. No, very little. <laughs> it's just like this. Um, my big question is, do we really need two lobster boys? I think we do. Yeah. Yeah, there's Lobster Boy, Little Grady, uh, and then Kathy. So they actually, there were three lobster people, the lobster family. Do we know if the I... human pincushion was a descendant of Albert Fish? Because I think that would put him over the edge. That makes this 10 I'm for 1. I'm having fun. <laughs> you all view this as torture, but I know it is only the most succulent of pleasures. <laughs> Give him more nickels. Definitely. Give him more nickels. I'm sick of the monologue. So many nickels. <laughs> no, they're Bally Man 
headline for this 10 and 1 was a young performer who called himself Merman the Magician. He was good looking, blonde hair, blue eyes, and a mustache. He was a fire eater. He was a magic man. He was well spoken. Everything you'd want in a good bally man, Merman was. But Grady's operation was a sloppy one, Uh-oh. as Merman and Joe of the Gorilla Show would often butt heads, and it all came to a night, and it all came to a head one night in Brockton, Massachusetts, a town so tough, a carny got stabbed that night for not putting enough mustard on a guy's hot dog. Wait, I swear so- to fucking Christ, you don't put enough mustard on my hot dog. I swear to fucking Christ. <laughs> you gonna stab somebody for that? <laughs> yeah. Seems like a lot. I'm on a, I'm on a hair trigger right now, all right? I swear to God, someone spells my name wrong in a Starbucks cup. I'm going to bring a crossbow in there. I'm going to light up the room. All right? Well, I don't know if you can say that publicly. I did already did it. But I don't understand. The carny was making the hot dogs, too? Yeah. This carny, so this was not a performer carny. No, this, this was a hot performer. Dog carny. Yeah, this is a hot dog yeah. carny. Yeah, yeah. Hot this dog. is just a, about. You forget that there are hot dog carnies. Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's a whole, it's a whole thing. A whole carny infrastructure. Yeah, right. All right. Well, there's a there's a lot of jobs. There's job creators. When you when you see again a year from now when half this country is carnies, <laughs> you will see. I'm gonna be. I'm. I can't wait to be dog boy. Marcus is also gonna be a sort of dog boy. Uh, and Gissel, yeah. you're gonna be a great human table. We're just gonna lie what? down on two like you know what are those like the horse with the horsey things. Like the, the triangles? Or, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, pummel, pummel, uh, sawhorse. Sawhorses. <laughs> there we go. Kissel lies down on I'm straight. the table? You're, yes. Well, then what and do I do? You put food on him. You put, like, food, like trays, like a big feast, like a hook, but you put the food actually on it, and then people <laughs> pay to eat while you go, I'm just a table. <laughs> I'm not a man. It seems like you're degrading me quite a bit here. Uh, I'm going to degrade myself. I'm going to be a geek. Uh, it's circus. You already are a geek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a nerd. Yeah. No, a circus geek is someone who sits in a pit uh, and they throw down chickens and snakes and frogs and I just rip them apart with my bare hands and then you, you eat them and then food. you just bu- you pour blood all over yourself huh. and you just throw them and you snarl at all the normies up t- up top the normies the normies that's You've gonna be me in I, a year I'm gonna be in a pit eating the heads off of live chickens you I, mark my you words okay you want this too much yeah <laughs> I have come to terms with being the human table because then I can have the joke well, that's not guacamole <laughs> and you can imagine what it would be well you shit you shit your own pants I don't know <laughs> Well, that'll that'll take a few extra nickels. They want to see that kind of action. I'm going to be the tiniest (laughs) Spider-Man. Well, this whole feud between Merman and Joe of the Gorilla Show came to a head one night when when some promoter put... The Gorilla Show and the Ten and One right next to each other, which is a bad move in the carnival business mm. because you got Joe out front yelling for people to come in and see the Gorilla Show. You've got Merman the Magician sitting right next to him, telling him to come in and come into the Ten and One. The money's both going to the same place, but it's all about pride. So right. that night, it did actually come to blows, and Joe almost killed Merman, but Merman did survive, and it was Merman who noticed that Teresa, every night, was skimming money from the cash drawer, double-counting cash from a 50 or a 100, so she could shortchange the marks wherever she could, because Teresa was saving up. And this is where the plot to murder Grady began. Ooh. That started off 
as an almost casual conversation between Teresa and Kathy Lobster Girl in July of 1992, and it escalated from there. The first person they asked was a roustabout named Marco Eno, who had a tattoo on his upper left arm that said, Carney Power. <laughs> it's like girl power, but it smells more like body odor. <laughs> I mean... What a tattoo. <laughs> and Eno, it's an awesome tattoo. I really want, I want that. If I were to have one, that sounds incredible. Yeah, it's a pretty great tattoo. It's not carne asada power. <laughs> <laughs> Human table tell joke. <laughs> Very good. Now, Eno actually did think it was a joke, and he refused. He's like, ha, 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 yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, and so the lobster family had to wait until they got back to Gibsonton, Florida, to find their man. Their man was Chris Wyatt. He was a 17-year-old juvenile delinquent who liked to tell all of his friends that he'd already murdered a whole bunch of people in drive-by shootings. And word of this tough guy got around to Glennie, and remember, 79 IQ on this guy. Right. Yeah, so he's not necessarily got a brain like a steel trap there. <laughs> no, he's a blockhead. Now, if you listen to Grady Styles the third, who came out publicly about the murders just a couple of years ago, the whole murder for hire thing was just a misunderstanding. He says that the casual conversation between Teresa and Kathy was just that, talk, and Glenn took that conversation, that casual conversation over to Chris Wyant, who misunderstood Glenn when Glenn said, something's gotta be done. Yeah. And that is when Chris Wyant, unfortunately, um, went and took a gun to Lobster Boy. But Glenn's later confession told a very different story. After a little haggling and without the knowledge of Teresa, Chris Wyant agreed to murder Lobster Boy for either $1,500 or $300, depending on who you listen to. It's a big difference. $300 just like a million dollars in carny bucks? (laughs) Yeah, I think their eyes just go crazy like a cartoon rabbit seeing a woman that he likes. You know, they're just like, whoa, whoa, go, 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 300 bucks. Now, weeks went by without Chris doing the deed, but on November 29th, 1992, Glenn Newman went over to Chris's house and told him that if he didn't kill Grady that very night, Teresa was going to go to the cops and say that Wyatt had broken into their trailer and stolen the $1,500. Thing was, Glennie didn't actually tell his mother about the murder-for-hire plot until about 8 p.m. the night of, but Teresa, all on board for the plan once he told her about it, they left the house at 11 p.m. that night, leaving Grady drunk in his recliner, watching a video of the 1992 Jack Ruby biopic, Ruby. Huh. Yes. And, you know, and apparently they just, they, they, it's so dumb. They're literally like, we got to go see about a baby. Misty. They were talking about, like, uh, like, yes, they were literally, we're going to go walk out. We're going to go check out a baby. It's 11 o'clock at night. You're huh. literally like, we're just going to step out. But apparently Grady was so enraptured by the movie Ruby. He was drunk. That he, yes, he was hammered. Oh, yeah, he was, he was hammered out of his mind. But that's what he said, but that's what he does, right, is that apparently his favorite thing in the world was to sit in his underwear in his chair watching TV all night because it was so high. He had, because uh, uh, Teresa said he had high blood pressure, so he'd get overheated, so he couldn't wear clothes. <laughs> and so they'd have to leave the door open and a little breeze would come in and comfort him in the night. Oh, nice. Yeah, and before you think that Teresa and Glennie are the heroes of this 
tale, taken down a horribly abusive husband. Just remember, they left Grady the Third, who was a teenager at that time. They left him sleeping in the other room uh, because you know Grady was Barbara's son, not Teresa's son. Mm. Because if Grady, if little Grady had woken up uh, right after the gunshots had rung out. Chris Wyatt probably would have murdered him as well because, yeah. of course, little Grady was a witness. But thankfully, when the shots happened, Grady opened his eyes for a second, figured it was just another violent mishap between his uh, stepmother and his father, and he went back to sleep. He just went back to sleep. He just there went literally gunshots in the living room <laughs> of his trailer. Yeah. And he said, fuck it. I'm going to get an extra 10. This is how it happened. Chris Wyatt walked through the back door, walked up to Grady as he sat in his recliner, shot Grady three times in the back of the head, killing him instantly and putting an end to the life and career of Lobster Boy. Now, cops, first on the scene, treated it as a fairly routine robbery, but quickly noticed that nothing had actually gone missing, including Grady's wallet that was overflowing with cash. Nothing at all huh. was gone. He t- he took no measures whatsoever to try to cover up his crime. Job. No, they did, a- did not do three hundred dollars. Not well spent. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and also, when cops interviewed the family, they found that not a single one of them seemed particularly upset that Grady was dead. They also found it suspicious that Glennie and Teresa had left the house moments before the murderer arrived. Cops figured, with good reason, that Glenny the Blockhead would be the tree to shake on this one. Yes. Cops. (laughs) Very big talker. If you saw him immediately, he's just like, I can't believe the horrible tragedy that happened. I certainly am not party to it. Maybe I could be, though. Did old Glenny say it out loud? Did he say it out loud? Uh, Cops hauled him in and gave him a lie detector test. And when they told Glenn that he had lied about the questions regarding Lobster Boy's death, Glenn folded faster in a circus tent after a kid gets killed on a ride. Uh-oh. The cops brought in Teresa next, who just as quickly confessed to having prior knowledge of the murder, and Chris Wyant was arrested soon after. All three were charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and all three were convicted. Teresa got 12 years for manslaughter, mm. but was later freed on appeals... Chris Wyant got 27 years for second-degree murder, and Harry Glenn Newman Jr., the human blockhead, got life in prison where he still sits to this day. Just being a blockhead. <laughs> I mean, he, the lobster man only got 15 months or 15 years probation for his kill. Yeah. They got, yes. they, wait, I guess these guys weren't quite as sad as lobster man. Well, they weren't quite as no. sad as lo- lobster man. And uh, the people of Gibsonton didn't take too kindly to them murdering one of their own. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was also said that, you know, if Teresa had done it herself, then they might have gone a little easier on her. But because she got her blockhead son to hire some 17-year-old kid to do it, um, there was no real sympathy right. for them. When you hear the word conspiracy, oftentimes you think of an elaborate scheme, you know, concocted in a basement with very intelligent minds. But this was more, we're going to go check on a baby. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty much the plan. Yep. And it seemed to work. It does seem startlingly probably very similar to 9-11, how it was put together. We're going to go check on a baby. 
<laughs> okay, Mr. Cheney. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So that's oh. it. That oh. is that wow. is the tale of the Lobster Boy murders. This I want to join the carnival. <laughs> carnival sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I don't think there's any difference between levels of show business. I think that like carnivals are the same as us, as the same as people on television. It's like it's all just we got the bug. Mm-hmm. And so I I like that about carnival life. Um but Florida never got any better. No. Woo. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, no, I, I mean, I, and there's you know a couple more uh, sources for this. Uh, there's one called I, I, there's one book that I absolutely love. If you can find it, it's called the Big Book of Freaks. It's a part of the Factoid series. Uh, it's uh, by this guy Gahan Wilson. It's a big anthology of. Um, pretty much just sideshow freak stories and it's all like little short like three or four page comic books about all of these wonderful sideshow freaks throughout the years uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of it I really well, enjoyed this one this was cool I only read books that are authored by a man named Gahan that's what I've said uh, before and I'll say it again and I will continue I will continue to say it um, wow everyone thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this episode, yeah, it's been an interesting week. It's, so this was a fun departure from the reality. Yeah, yeah, this a is nice. Bit. I mean, this bit. this is. I mean, it's still reality, and and that's also something to remember here uh, is that when when everyone's feeling all worried about what's uh, what's coming up next, just remember that America's always been fucked up. Yes, yeah, we've always been fucked up, and it's always the very core is fucked up. It's, yeah, this whole country's built on the the graveyards of a, of a million Native Americans. So it started there. Yeah. So are you remember that. Um, and if you were <laughs> really, day. really upset, a thing that really helped me, uh, and I and I, I know that there are a lot of people that listen to the show are afraid of things that may change over the next couple of years, which I understand. Uh, uh, if you really want to feel better, and the thing that I did to make myself feel better is I donated to Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. And if you were there, are other places like the Human Rights Campaign and places like that where if you want to fund something or or donate your time to something that will help a uh, issue that will be directly affected by the future presidency, then you should probably go ahead and do that or we're still fucked so thank you henry for that strange (laughs) rambling bizarre statement Um, and for for more on uh what me and kissel think about what the fuck happened this week uh check out check out this uh, check out this week's episode of a blink and stop at yes we'll talk about it like uh, we'll definitely talk about it thank you guys so much for supporting all the shows here on ccr a blink and stop at roundtable a gentleman um uh, let's see sex and other human activities the Mm -hmm. lucky bone show wizard and the bruiser check out that show if you are into video games um holding desk Desperately needs you to listen to that. I uh, guess so. I guess he is hanging on a hanging by a thread. No, he's I doing would also great. Also, say um, yeah, man. This morning when I woke up too, I was so hungover, and I looked down and I thought I was going to lose my toes. I can't believe I had forgotten I had gotten them painted. I don't know why you're so. I don't know why you're acting like painting your toenails is like this like amazingly a debaucherous thing. People no, do it, it was all just the time. a weird thing. It's it was not just that a weird, weird choice. No, I just they're all they're all swollen. Uh, I've done it all the. I've done it know. many many I spray times. I painted my entire body gold for fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found out you could die if you do that. By the way, so you actually do, do not do that. Yeah, Somehow yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. survive, but that's my that would be my carnival trick. <laughs> <laughs> he paints himself gold. <laughs> that's not guacamole. Uh, uh, and yes. uh, I got I got to say. Uh, 
thank you to the people of Seattle. We sold out Numos. Uh, we're going to be coming here uh, in just about a month. We're going to be coming to Seattle. There is our only Pacific Northwest show that still has tickets is the early show in Portland. Uh, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live to get tickets for that. We've also added an early show for Boston because we sold out the first one pretty quickly. Uh, again, cavecomedyradio.com slash live is where you get tickets to that. All these shows are going to sell out. Uh, so if you want to uh, come and see us live here very soon, don't sit on your hands. Uh, it's uh, we're coming to your town soon, man. We're coming to a whole bunch of places in 2017. It's going to be a weird. Things are going to get weird. It's going to get really weird, everybody. If well, Grady Styles can learn how to shoot a gun with his lobster hands, we can make it through the next four years. <laughs> and I think we can be inspired by that. Um, all right. So find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks Instagram the same. Henry loves you on uh, on Twitter and Doctor Fan Tasty on Instagram. I am at Ben Kissel on Twitter, and I still don't know how to use uh, Instagram, but I'm at Ben Kissel one. Oh, and I also have to thank all of our friends at Midtown Scholar who sent us a gigantic new shipment of books that are very cool. They sent me something, a a special book to open on air. Uh Uh-oh. What's it going to be? Drum roll, please. Ooh, the Diary of the DC Sniper. All right. I bet it's funny. Yeah. I bet he's so funny. (laughs) Yes, I remember I looked at Tom in class, and he looked at me, and I was like, I knew we were going to kiss. (laughs) <laughs> we were caught one day in the auditorium's restroom, our pockets ransacked, and all our lunch money stolen. This is going to be really fun. It's all gonna right. Be fun. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, thank you, Midtown Scholar. Thank you, everyone there, for sending us more books. We love you guys. Y'all are great. Hail, hail yourselves. Satan, everyone. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> and, and, and hail Gain. Hail Gain. Gain. Hail me. I'm sitting on a dog bed. I'm covered in dog hair. Magus delations. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.